Computer, initialize Holosuite. a Star Trek Deep Space Nine broadcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 4, Episode 19, Hard Time. Before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. And yes, I know, Twitter, never mind. Forget that. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yes, uh, David is right. You can find us all those places. You can find our old stuff through Twitter, but um, there hasn't been any updates on Twitter for quite a while. The way the system works um, is pretty much, I don't know, it's its completely changed, and every bit of feedback again on it is basically like, that's done. I basically have to just start all over is pretty much the only option that we have. Right. And I'm not sure that I really want to do that. So I don't even know if Twitter's even the right name anymore now that it's been rebranded as X. X. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I, I, I think that's dumb. <laughs> I, I don't know that was what a mistake. To, yeah, I don't even know what to do with that. It's like, what it's side like are you buying, on? I'm on X. It's like buying a Ford, you know, with the first vehicle of its kind, and then rebranding it as Q. You know, just like, yeah. like, wait a minute, you 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 bought it because it was a thing. <laughs> And now you re- I don't know. I, I think it was a mistake to rename it, but no, I, I who agree. am I? I don't. I'm not the richest man in the world, so I don't get to make decisions like that. <laughs> I, I mean, I agree. I don't think that any brand that you have that's been around for that long, um, that kind of rebranding, especially a rebranding that you don't explain and yeah. didn't seem to be uh, necessary. It wasn't caused by anything. It doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. That'd be like, like you said, that'd be like Ford or like Skittles or something changing their name. And oh, the only reason someone changes their nothing. name is because it's a bad thing. Like Time Warner right. Cable was like, everyone hates us as Time Warner Cable, so now we're Spectrum. <laughs> oh, right. okay. <laughs> right. It's a it's a changing, yeah, you're trying to distance yourself from something negative. It's typically yeah. why you see rebranding, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's no real explanation for it. And like you said, I mean, I'm not the... Not the richest man in the world. I don't have the the company backing, and I'm sure that there's. I'm sure I, I would like to think that they did some kind of research or study or something that was like, yeah, we should rebrand or whatever. But who knows? Maybe he just woke up and said, nope, X. That's what we are now. That's it, and it's his company. So yeah. there you go. All right. Uh, well. Yes, that's our little <laughs> our little Twitter. All that to say, we're not on Twitter anymore. <laughs> so you can find us anywhere else that we're still yeah. or we're still on Facebook we're still doing all that stuff you know and you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts I do it on Spotify we're still there of course so yeah um, if you and, and of course we have YouTube so if you want to reach out to us please feel free to do so we um, would appreciate that as a matter of fact um, but yeah before we get into Hard Time the 96th episode something like that yeah. Yeah. Ninety six for us, I think. 
96 or 97 for us. Coming up on that big three digits. 100. You know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we will get into that in just a minute. But first, as always, David, how was your week? It was fine. Um, I finished reading. Uh, so Vivek Ramaswamy is one of the Republican candidates. Uh, he's actually in like third place amongst all three of the Republican candidates. Uh, trailing third, you know, basically everyone in third and beyond is just dividing the the the, the, the breadcrumbs. But uh, he's an interesting character, interesting guy. He's written some books. Uh, the one that I just finished reading. Um, it's called Capitalist Punishment. It's basically talking about how companies like Black Rock and Vanguard are uh, – their policies for deciding how to do things is flawed because <laughs> he's started up his own uh, competitive company to those big-name uh, investment firms. Um, so, yeah, interesting reading that. You know, not the usual fiction or, you know, a biography of someone kind of more – modern stuff um i don't think i'm not sure if he'd be good as president because some of his ideas i think are a little bit i mean i, I think in general he'd be fine as a republican candidate but uh some of his suggestions on certain things i'm like i don't know if that would work <laughs> i don't know if it's possible to say that only people 25 and older can vote but if you're under if you're between 18 and 24 you have to pass a civics exam before you're allowed to vote I'm like that. Yeah. I don't know how you can plan that on working. So yeah, um, I don't really, I don't like that at all. Yeah, I mean, I have a problem with the drinking age being 21, but only because yeah. I feel like it should be 18. And I know there's people who are going to be like, why? And that's controversial and everything else. And there's so many reasons that we do it at 21. But at the same time, I'm like, if you at 18 are allowed to legally vote in this country, own a gun in this country, serve in our uh, military and die in our wars in this country, yeah. the least you should be able to do is have a beer at the same time. So either yeah. we move all those things up to 21 or we move them all down to 18. It's not – that yeah. doesn't make any sense. That's the only yeah. – that's my only real argument for that. But, yeah, the other step, no, like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th I mean, I like what he's written and he's written three books in three years. So he's got a lot to say. Um, he's not, and he's not like other politicians who write books just so they can earn some money. Like every single politician, when they're about to go run for a high office, they publish some crummy book that is like, here's why you should vote for me. And it's like, this is just a cash grab, <laughs> but these actually feel like he's trying to say something. Um, but anyway, so I read that this week. Uh, I am in the middle of reading the Expanse book. You and I are going to finish that hopefully this week, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I started reading Oppenheimer, or sorry, American Prometheus, which is the book that inspired Oppenheimer the movie. Um, going to start that this week. I read the preface today just just to get it started. Uh, it's six hundred pages, so that's going to take me a while. <laughs> Yeah, right. This is the man who consumed a whole book in like a couple of hours, you Dude. know, with the Well, I mean I had to go to get my car worked on on two separate or two week two weeks in a row. So like I'm off on Tuesdays, so for like four hours each Tuesday in two weeks. So I had all this time to just sit there and read. So I was able to knock out a lot of the book in one one well, two sittings. Um but man, those books are so readable. I love the experience. They really, books. Are, they really are. And like I, I you know, I, this is something we've obviously talked about a lot. Is you know, I get jealous of the fact that you can just sit and read just endlessly until you're finished or whatever. 
Right. But yeah, I mean, like I had, I found myself yesterday um, with two solid hours of nothing to do. Yeah. And I just was burning through it, man. I was just reading it. And I was like, man, it's like I was, I got into it so quick and I was like thinking about the show and everything else. So I was reading it yeah. and everything. And I was like, man. And when the two hours was up, I couldn't believe it. I was like, really? Yeah. Like, okay. And I was, <laughs> was kind of kicking myself because I wanted to, I wanted to keep reading. Keep but yeah. And I was, I was like, let's hurry up and get to the next book and stuff. But yeah. 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 I, I really enjoy them a lot. They, Again, I, I was reading the Altered Carbon books recently, and those do not have the flow of just – it's it page-turning flow. Uh, the Expanse books, I mean anyone could read them. I don't think there's any argument to say that you don't have to be some – like if you don't if you don't consider yourself a reader, someone who likes to yeah. read sci-fi, you could very easily pick these books up. They are a little long. Yeah. I mean they're, they're, they're novel-length books, but, but they're you know, not – I think that that – I think that length helps, especially for people who, yeah. like you just said, who maybe you don't think of yourself necessarily as sci-fi inclined. I right. think the length helps because it's there's a lot of extra stuff in there, not just in the way of explanations, but different things about the characters that make that help you to relate to the characters more. So right. there are a lot of people who don't like sci-fi books because they feel like it gets all heavy into a lot of the the tech stuff, the tech babble that they use to promote their sci, you know, do their sci-fi world building. Right. The Expanse doesn't do that a lot. There, There is some of that, don't get me wrong, but there's also a lot that's all about the characters and how they look or they feel and what's going on with them in, in reference to even other characters and stuff. So I think that, yeah, you're, I, I totally agree. This would right. be a great series of books for people who don't find themselves typically grabbing sci-fi to right. go for. I can see why they've been for. so successful. Yeah. They, whenever I go to the bookstore and I go to the sci-fi section, there's a, always plenty of them ready for to be bought and read. So. And I would almost say it works pretty well as like a, a like a f- nice fantastical fictional account of uh, political drama as well because yeah. they do the politics for all of the different groups and factions and stuff. They yeah. do them so well. So again, if you're not a sci-fi person but you like that kind of political intrigue drama type. This could still work for you on that level as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, the other book I have ready to go is Napoleon. I might have mentioned this last week. I mentioned that I bought a book on Napoleon because uh, Ridley Scott announced like in November he's doing a, a movie with Joaquin Phoenix. So I, I bought the biography uh, that I had seen at the bookstore, and I that's 800 pages. So I got Oppenheimer, which is 600. I got Napoleon, which is 800. So I, I think I don't have to read the Expanse books for a while. <laughs> I'll have something else to read. <laughs> okay. Well, that will give me some time to get uh, caught up with you and maybe surpass you as well. Get into the next book. Get ahead of you a bit. Yeah. Um, I really am we... looking forward to the next ones because based on the show, you know, the next two are very important. And I, I can't wait. And then finally to move on to the last three to find out how the story continues. Yes, yes, that's that is the other part of it that's driving me along. Because I mean, we know that the series ended at six. We right. know there should be at least if they're going by the books anyway, there should be three more. Right. Um. um you know, so I want to I want to know what happens. I want to know yeah. where it ended with the show and yeah, all that. I want to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, that's enough of me. I've been talking yes. way too much. How about you? How's your week been? Uh, just. It's been a little chaotic because I've been trying to <laughs> um, 
obviously I'm still doing the workouts, but my schedule keeps fluctuating. So trying to find a consistent time to work out has been a bit of a challenge. So I end up there sometimes where I'll go at like four in the morning and there's other times where it's, you know, I'll have an extra long break in the afternoon. And so I'll go then. And then there are some evenings where it's, you know, six, seven, eight o'clock and there I am. I'm trying to make, I started off with the consistency of at least go every day. And then it became, and so trying to make sure that that happens is really exhausting because since you can't set a schedule of, oh, okay, I'm going to go at four every morning. Okay. I'm going to go at noon every morning or every day or whatever it is. It gets really hard to try to figure out what all you need to do to get the time you need to go. Um, In addition to that, I have been, you know, dealing with some family stuff. You know, my, my mother has needed some things. And so I've been, doing a lot with her. And then of course it is incredibly hot here in Texas and I have been outside a lot. And normally this wouldn't necessarily be a problem. I don't don't think of myself as a person who has any kind of heat sensitivity or whatever you want to call it, but it's just been so hot that doing anything outdoors has just, it's exhausting. It really, it's really exhausting. So I've been trying to get through um, and, and deal with that and uh, even today and yesterday, we were clearing a lot of stuff out of my mother's place. And so there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of heavy moving, a lot of, you know, just a lot of working through things. Right. And um, I think it actually, it got to me a little bit because I didn't realize that I wasn't, well, I wasn't staying hydrated. I wasn't drinking a lot of water while I was doing this stuff. So then today right. in trying to get things done, not only was I just sluggish, but I just, I felt so bad and I couldn't place my finger on why I was feeling so bad until like actually fairly recently. And, um, I took some Advil and some other things, you know, and basically just kind of like tried to up my hydration really quick. Um, and it it does work. It's amazing how quickly that will, um, turn you around when you're kind of on that downward spiral, just some water, some Gatorades and whatever, and you're, you know, back to yourself a bit. So, uh, for all you people who are in the South and in Texas in particular, as we're going through this, seemingly endless heat wave stay hydrated man if you're outside for anything really make sure that when you get back inside you you drink some water and you know try to cool down and stuff and just keep it on hand because it will definitely sneak up on you and before you know it yeah you're um you're you're out of it you know that brain fog sets in so quick and it's hard to function it's hard to think about what you need to do until you know it kind of clears itself up right true but we are not yeah. here to talk about any of that. We are here to talk about Miles O'Brien and how he must suffer. And it's the favorite <laughs> pastime. Say. Yeah, O'Brien must suffer. Yep. <laughs> yes. In this episode, he he suffers. He suffers a lot. Yeah. So uh, again, it's a hard time. It's in the uh, fourth season. If you have not watched the episode, I would suggest you go and do so now. You can always pause this or come back to it or whatever it is. If you're listening to us live or watching us on YouTube live, sorry, we're going to spoil like everything. So um, I, I apologize. You should have already watched the show again. It's like 30 plus years old. So uh, that's, this is your fault, not ours. <laughs> All right. This is totally your fault. Yep. Yep. Okay. And then later on, after we talk about the episode, there is another thing I want to talk about, not just new Trek, but for those of you who are like really just in need of something Trek-like, there are some shows I would like to tell you about that you may be interested in. Okay. So we'll get to that, but hard time. So now I've given the last two breakdowns because they were great episode favorites of mine. 
Uh, I believe this one is all you. This is your turn. All right. Let's do it. All right, guys. Again, this episode is Hard Time. And the episode starts off with Chief O'Brien seemingly in a cell, uh, you know, old, you know, with a beard and long hair. And uh, some aliens come in and say, you've served 20 years of your sentence. It's time for you to go. But instead of him uh, leaving his cell, he actually wakes up to Kira and these aliens uh, around him. And it turns out that he didn't actually just experience 20 years of uh, being in prison. Like, he didn't actually serve 20 years of prison. He experienced it in his mind with the uh, ability of this alien culture, the Argrathi. They planted memories in his brain for a as a punishment for being convicted for espionage. Uh, it turns out, I, I assume this is on the other side of the wormhole because we see the the uh, runabout come through the wormhole. Uh, he was apparently in on Argartha and was asking question, too many questions about a certain piece of technology, and they uh, snatched him up, convicted him of espionage, and they don't actually use prisons. They use this technology that allows them to implant memories that they say cause the person to experience the since the the as if they did go through a uh, prison sentence and for whatever was appropriate for their crime. Um, so again, that means that O'Brien just experienced in the matter of hours what was effectively twenty years as a print in in prison as a prison sentence. So he comes back to the station with Kira, and he is, as you can imagine, very traumatized by this experience. He is having to relearn uh, what the tools are that he uses. Jake helps him relearn his tools. Um, he's having to remember the fact that Keiko was pregnant. Uh, he's having to uh, appreciate the, the, the – he, he reappreciates re the beauty of the station – uh, he's he is seriously affected by this twenty years uh, memory these he, memories of twenty years of being in prison, and of course he is told that one of the things he needs to do is go to counseling uh, to help him get over this. But if anyone knows O'Brien, they know that O'Brien doesn't want to be counseled, <laughs> so he puts that off. Um, and so while he is having trouble, you know, connecting with with people like Bashir and with, with, um, uh, with, uh, Worf, he is also starting to see flashbacks of his time in prison. Now he tells Dr. Bashir that he was alone the whole time, but it turns out that, that was not true. It turns out that in these fake memories, he had a cellmate named Echar who was a friend to him, a friendly guy. They, uh, who was even able to laugh in these, you know, horrible cells that they were in. Uh, it's basically, I, there's never any indication that they ever leave the cell, um, but they're never fed on time. Uh, they have to, you know, hoard food. And so, you know, Miles hoards food at dinner with Keiko because that's where his brain is still at. He sleeps on the ground instead of in the bed because he can't get comfortable in the bed because he was sleeping on the ground in these memories. Um, but Ichar, this cellmate of his, was someone who he talked with, you know, Echar would, would make, you know, patterns in the sand at the bottom of their cell. And that's actually what we saw O'Brien doing when the episode opened was, was drawing in the sand. Um, 
But he says to Bashir that, no, there's no one in there. It was just me. I was in there by myself the whole time. Uh, but he starts seeing visions of Ichar on the station. So he'll be looking around, and he initially mistakes Keiko for Ichar. And then he says Ichar, he sees Ichar wandering around the station. And then eventually Ichar comes up to him and says, yes, I'm just a memory, I'm not real, but there is something wrong with you, and there, there's a reason that I am manifesting uh, right now. Uh, you, you have trauma that you need to work through, and the fact that I am that I exist even as a as a, um, a phantom basically uh, is proof that you have things that need to be dealt with. Uh, this starts coming to a head for O'Brien when uh, he starts losing his temper. Uh, he, you know, Corf is trying to serve a whole bar full of people, and O'Brien grabs him and you know holds him down and says, "Give me my synthale." Uh, his daughter. Uh, says, I want you to come draw with me, and he's trying to talk to Keiko because he's, you know, stressed, and, um, well, actually, I should hold on. That doesn't happen quite yet. All these other things are happening. He's he's stressed. He's having a hard time kind of reconnecting. Uh, he's not taking his medication. He's not going to counseling. He uh, does that what he did to Quark, and so Cisco calls him in and says, you're off duty. Uh, and it's not that I'm saying you're off duty. It's Dr. Bashir that's saying you need to have a medically a medical reason for being off duty. Um, and that causes O'Brien to kind of have a little, a little bit of a breakdown. Like he throws his comm badge. Uh, and then when he goes home, uh, he, he he gets angry that his daughter is trying to get his attention. And he, he gets up and he almost smacks her. And that causes him great distress because, you know, He's he feels like not only can he not reconnect with people, but now he's actually a danger to his own family. So he goes down to one of the uh, cargo bays, hold, yeah, and where there's a bunch of stuff, and he starts just smacking stuff around, you know, kind of having a, a breakdown, just destroying everything in there. Uh, and he sees a weapons locker. He opens it, takes a phaser out, sets it to maximum, and holds it to his head. Fortunately, Bashir comes in and says to him, you know, basically talks him down, says, you know, just because this, you know, alien um, society caused this trauma to you doesn't mean you can't come back from it. You haven't hurt anyone. You haven't hurt your family. There's nothing that's happened that um, is, you know, the end of the world. There's no reason to take your life. Uh, let's just, you know, uh, go. We'll, we'll, we'll go have you talk with the the therapist and, and really commit to doing that. Um, the cellmate, Ichar, that he's been having visions of, uh, agrees with that. And so when you know, Bashir takes away uh, the the phaser, Ichar walks away and, and disappears. And so O'Brien is going to go get the treatment he needs to recover. Uh, so I think that's the major highlights. We can get into the details as we go on. But, uh, yeah, anything I, I should add before we move on? No, that is essentially it. That is the high points, highlights. And, again, if we miss anything, we're going to get into it with our little deep dive here. And uh, you can go and watch the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so. Exactly. As always, we have to remind people, I guess, every so often, David has never seen Deep Space Nine. Um, he's, he hasn't seen a lot of Trek. He's watched all of Next Generation, and now we're following this with Deep Space Nine. He hasn't seen any other shows. Um, so, with that, I'd like to, obviously, as the first-time viewer, 
Do your first impression. So what did you think of this episode? Oh, there was one major thing I forgot. I, I needed to say. The reason Bashir uh, Miles was having such a breakdown is because he when he admits to Bashir that he was lying about being alone in his cell, the reason that's important is because it was near the end of his time of the twenty years that he had a crucial breakdown in his uh, relationship with Ichar. They were not being fed food. You know, they, again, were hoarding it to try and keep themselves from starving to death because they weren't being fed regularly. And so they ran out of ho hoarded food. And O'Brien thinks that they were out, but Ichar had some left. He, he had a final stash that he was uh, finally going to reveal. And O'Brien attacked and accidentally killed him in an attempt to get to the food, claiming that Ichar had been holding out on it. And so he feels guilty for having murdered someone. Uh, again, not a real person. He didn't actually murder anybody. But as mm -hmm. far as his memories go, he did. So that's the crucial part. He admits to the, to the murder uh, to Bashir. And that's the major part I forgot to mention. And the reason I'm talking about that, the reason I bring that up is my why. I, I, I thought this episode has a lot to say. It has a lot to say about PTSD and, and trauma and, and stuff like that. But I did feel like some of the explanation for what this is, like the details of what happened are a little, like I wish we could iron some things out. Like yeah, why, why wouldn't he have known about the, the other stash of food? Why would Ichar have been holding out and yet not at the same time also be kind of wrong to have held out? Um, because he, he says, oh, you were holding it for both of us. Because there were like two portions of mm -hmm. the food that was being that was in the cache. Um, so it felt a little forced. You know, like they've been in the cell for almost two decades by the time this event supposedly happens. How did O'Brien not know about this second stash? How did he get to the point where he'd be willing to kill his own friend? I mean, he's, he's traumatized by the experience, so I get that. I'm not saying that's the part that is wrong. I'm just saying it felt a little forced for me that that was the moment where things went bad as opposed to I thought the episode was going to go in the route of the whole, everything we're seeing is actually a part of the fake memories. Like it's going to be one of those episodes where it turns out the characters have okay. been lied to the whole time and their memories have been faked the whole time and they have to escape this false reality. We've seen that plenty of times in Star Trek episodes. Dr. Bashir had one last season uh, where he aged, you know, in his, mm -hmm. in his, um, his version of it, but this is not what happened. This is a legitimately he was traumatized by the experience of these aliens uh, doing this to him, and so that has a lot to say about PTSD and how to respond to that. Um, you know, suicide is not the answer to your problems, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good episode for those reasons. But, um, but you know, as someone who is articulate about the plot, I or I'm sorry, particular about the plot. Um, I feel like there's some places to nitpick it a little bit, uh, but yeah. that's nitpicky stuff because we can take an hour to spend to, uh, talking about the episode. So nitpick away, Absolutely. right? <laughs> so no, I definitely agree with you about the statement of you know uh, he he at that ending where he kills Ichar over the secondary stash of food, and how is it that he didn't know it if it turns out that Ichar was a figment of his imagination and so forth? This sure. is kind of one of those you know. Um, Whenever you're doing these uh, these kind of fake outs where you're not sure who's real and who's not and the extent of anything like uh, Fight Club, 
for right. example, would be another example. You know, there I think there's always going to be things like that because it's like you want us to believe for so long that this other person is a separate entity, but then when you do the reveal that they're not, right. um, then certain things like that don't make sense. Unless right. you have to kind of fully buy into the uh, the proposed psychosis that you know everything they're experiencing is so intense and extreme that it's caused this kind of internal schism that makes it to right. where they are literally unaware of what the you know other personality is doing to a certain right. extent. So I, I you could say that's the route they were trying to go here, but at the same time they're also trying to make it sound like O'Brien is remarkably resilient. So. For him to have the kind of split necessary for that scene to work, he would need to be not nearly as resilient as we're also led to believe that he is. So, yeah, there's some disconnects there. I I, I agree with that. But otherwise, I think this is – while I'll say that while I think this is a good episode, it is not one that I like. And I don't like the episode because – I didn't like the downward spiral so rapidly to suicide. And I don't think that we've ever really seen characters deal with suicide in this particular regard in Trek before. And maybe that's why it just doesn't sit well with me. I can still watch the episode and appreciate it for the acting, the writing, and and, and so forth. Because I do think they did a great job on those things. But for me personally, I just don't like that really dark aspect that they went to there of the him potentially committing suicide and then also not really addressing it. He talks to Bashir a little bit and puts the phaser down and then goes back and hugs his daughter. Like you literally just were trying to kill yourself like two scenes ago. There was no, no going to sick bay and getting checked out. We never saw counselor to Nori till Nori, who was, he was supposed to be working with the whole time. Never saw this person. Right. Um, So it's like, yeah, yeah, I would have just I would have loved to see a couple of scenes of that of him trying at least to go to the counseling and having an interaction with the counselor and um blowing up at them and being like that's why he hasn't, you know, cuz Bashir comes and, you know, uh talks to him. He's like, "Yeah, I just spoke with Dr. Tenori and you haven't been in in 10 days." I would have right. loved to have seen the episode where or the part of the episode where he stormed out, you know, right. where he felt like Tenori was being unreasonable or whatever it was and left right and then that's why he had and then that could have been the next scene i you haven't been there in 10 days right and i mean they do enough in the episode to at least lay the breadcrumbs that this is taking a long time like again you have you're supposed to go three times a week you haven't been in in 10 days so we know it's been at least two weeks we know that there was a time where he was going so was he going for two weeks and then he's now not gone for two weeks so has it been a month like right. what's what's the full timeline here? We know right. that there has been a, ex, an extreme amount of time anyway, but it still seems like things were moving a little too fast. Right. I wish they had just slowed down in some instances to let us see him really trying to sit with and work through some of these things. Right. I think that would have made the episode a little better. Yeah, and to be, again, to be fair to the show, while I agree with everything you just said, they only have 40 minutes to try and tell a story, so they're trying yeah. to get it done. So I get it. Um but yeah, I agree with you there. That yeah, it does seem like wow. I mean, you're you're putting a gun to your head. I mean, seriously, he puts the gun under his chin in this yeah. or the phaser that is. I mean, it wasn't. Well, no, like I mean, him... that's it's the gun. Like that's the thing too. Like because yeah. of sci-fi, we 
we do tend to diminish these things a little bit. And we do rely on the actors doing a lot of heavy lifting here because the props they play with do tend to, you know, can be construed as ridiculous, you know, at, at times. So, but still, like, yes, he was sitting there with a the gun to his head. That's what right. that was. Right. That's what that was. And they wanted yeah. us to kind of follow along on the spiral with him for right. this. Yeah, the thing for me is I'm not sure I I buy like for example him him being angry at Quark for not getting him his um synthale. Okay, first so it makes sense that the synthale is like he wasn't getting his food on time and so he is remembering that. But I don't it's hard for me to reconcile him acting violently toward Quark quite that way. Like again if he's if he's feeling trauma over having murdered someone, why isn't he having a panic attack? Why isn't he having flashbacks in that moment? Why is it instead of him grabbing Quark and holding him to the holding him to the bar, holding him down, why isn't he like I I like why wasn't he having a, a moment of emotional trauma of like I can't get what I'm asking for? This reminds me of being in prison. Instead, he just gets angrier and angrier and angrier. Like it, it, it let me put it this way. I don't think they filmed that scene quite right. It should have been like the camera should have sh you know been shaking. It should have been more in and out. Like his his vision, like he's having flashbacks to this terrible memory, as opposed to him just getting angry at Quark because that's a normal thing. Hey, sorry, I can't get you. To, I'll get to you when I can. And then all for a synth ale. It's not even. It's not even food. It's not even regular food off of a replicator. It's just a synth ale. Um, so. Like, if it had been, like, the replicator's not working, and, like, he has to fix it. You know, he's the engineer, he has to fix the replicator, the replicator's not working. The trauma of him not remembering how to do things, because 20 years have passed, and he can't get the food, and then, like, like that would have been a spiraling moment. That would have made a lot of sense, I feel. So I, I feel like this episode had some good things to say. I especially want to say the Bashir-O'Brien uh, relationship is really good here, but I'll get to that in a moment. Mm -hmm. Um... This is an episode I feel like it it I get I'm nitpicking. I'm nitpicking the problems that I feel like it had because it's telling an important story, you know. First off, how crazy is it the the idea that an alien culture could implant memories in people and use yeah. that as a punishment? And oh like, yeah. How is Cisco not flipping his lid? Maybe he is off screen where he is telling this alien culture that you will never do that to one of his people ever Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Now they tried to they tried to fast walk us past their explanation for that. So, if you remember what they said was that, you know, he he asked a few too many questions whatever. He was accused, tried, convicted, sentenced and punished all before word got back to the station. Uh, the station. Yeah. So, yeah, that was their explanation. It's like by the time they figured out or if they found out what was going to happen, it had already happened. Right. So there was no time for any Starfleet officer to intervene or whatever. But still, right. Cisco should have – there should have still been a scene of Cisco trying to, you know, shout them down about you've got to reverse this procedure. you got to figure out a way to right. fix my man because – you know, he asked a couple of questions. We didn't get a chance to, you know, prove his innocence or guilt. You didn't. Right. None of the things that we need to do. Now, granted, they've done a lot of trial cases. And O'Brien's been involved in a couple already. So, right. you know, there was, I can see them being like, let's do a, we want to do one where Starfleet can't get out of it. Where they can't trick their way, clever their way out of the situation. 
and right. that's what we get here is you know, right. there, that was pretty much the only way that it could be done was right if you because it's like basically the trope is always if you give Starfleet officers too much time they're gonna <laughs> figure out a way around your problem yeah so we gotta we gotta not give them the time and so they took that away from us. But right. yeah, the fact that Cisco still wasn't ranting and raving at the well, actually, I, people. I, I have two answers to that. First off, our perspective is from O'Brien's perspective this whole episode. We don't really get much of anything. If, if, if O'Brien isn't in the scene, it's not in there. Everything is from O'Brien's perspective. That's true. So Cisco might be yelling and screaming off screen. But also, again, if they're from the Gamma Quadrant, this alien race, because again, they did come through the wormhole, it mm. might be that they have no way to threaten that culture. No way to say, you know, how dare you, <laughs> effectively, because the Jim Hadar are the ones that they fear on the other side of the wormhole, not the Federation. So, um, but I, I do, I, I yeah, I, 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 part of me wishes that I still had a scene of that somewhere, though, as, as you're saying, is yeah. like, how the hell is anyone ever going to let this happen again? How dare you? Right. Um, and, you know, and Starfleet is always trying to, you know, expand, you know, they want peaceful coexistence with everybody and they hope everybody eventually joins the Federation. So to know that the Argassi people do this, not only to their own people, but clearly to anybody that falls under, you know, that comes across their planet or whatever. I mean, there's gotta be some kind of follow up to that. And then my question with the technology is if you're able to, how are they able to implant those memories so thoroughly that he truly believes he lived this experience? Right. What are they basing that off of? Like, how are they, are, were, were there people that one time who served these long, hard sentences and they used their memory engrams to kind of implant this into a person? Cause there's gotta be some kind of basis foundation for how you can get a person to so completely believe they have right. lived a sentence of 20 years in this in this prison. Right. Um, and yeah, and I mean, there's no, as, as, as far as Star Trek is concerned, there's no technology that can't be undone. So again, <laughs> I mean, I, I would want to, I would want to know a bit more about it, but everything that we're told so far is always, it can't be undone, not without erasing O'Brien's memory entirely. Completely. We don't want to, we don't want to do that. And there has to also be some kind of suppression uh in there of your of your normal memories and of time span and things like that because he came out of it and he barely remembered that Keiko was pregnant. He could barely remember the tools that he used to do the job that up to this point he had done every right. day. Right. You know, so there has to be a, so many different things that are worked in there. I mean I know that those are things that we're never gonna ever have explained in an episode. But right. for them to come up with such an inescapable technology with yeah. such deep ramifications yeah. uh, is another thing that kind of sits w- wrong with me. Like I would have liked perhaps that if the episode was him struggling with everything, sure. But then right towards the end, Bashir comes up for, with a way to um, not necessarily erase the experience, but maybe mitigate it to some degree, allow right. it to not be so impactful you know, to that scale actually... it back. That is actually a really great point because my understanding of PTSD, and I am not an expert, of course, but is that it triggers a physical response in your body. And so Mm. if Dr. Bashir could actually, yeah, hijack the physical emotional response and allow O'Brien to channel those those feelings and those memories, I didn't actually kill anybody. Therefore, I don't have to feel guilty for it. 
Mm-hmm. That would actually make sense because that is what's so – beyond the whole idea of, of 20 years of your life supposedly being wasted and then realize, okay, they're not wasted. Like that's the – that's how you would – I was thinking of how you would argue this 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 culture. How dare you do this to someone? Well, he's – it's not like it, it took he, – he, his correction took a couple hours. As far as his life is concerned, he still has all his whole, his whole life ahead he of him. He still has all it's, that time. Right. He's it's not, not like he actually man. He's not actually – yeah, he's not actually served 20 years. He just felt like he did. But for me, being put in a position where I murdered someone, like that's the real trauma for O'Brien, obviously. That's why he's putting the gun to his own head. Um but it's a fake trauma. He didn't actually do that. But then it makes you. It makes. I, if 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 someone convinced me that I had murdered someone else, of course I'm going to ask myself, why am I that kind of person that would kill someone else? What kind of man am I that I would kill someone in 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 rage, in a fit of rage, and or casually or whatever? Um, that's the real trauma they do to O'Brien. So yeah, if if we could if if a Bashir could hijack the physical response and turn it away and make it so that he doesn't have the mechanical responsiveness of his body to the trauma or the memories, that might work. Um, he still has memories of it, but it the memories would be like any other memory of like watching mm-hmm. a TV show. Right, allowing yeah. him to be um, again not to not to you know erase the experience from him. But to allow him to be a bit more um, objective and distant with it a little bit, you right. know, so that you know, we would have then we would have gotten both. We would have seen, you know, throughout the episode of him trying to struggle to acclimate because there's every there's a very real possibility he's going to be stuck this way. So he right. will need to learn how to adjust. But then right. ultimately Bashir coming through with some of that tried and true Star Trek magic <laughs> and you know, Federation yeah. magic, and again not taking away the whole experience. But mitigating it to a degree that would allow him to better cope and right. move on with things. Yeah. And that's been done several times in, in Trek. You know, uh, Voyager did it a few times with, with characters. And there was actually a similar storyline. One of the characters in Voyager was accused of murder. And his punishment was every, I think it was like every 10 or 12 hours, he would have to relive the last moments of the murder. Because they had the ability to like take the memory of the victim, their last memory, and implant <laughs> it in the in the criminal. Wow. Crazy. And then yeah, there were some mitigating circumstances there as to why it wasn't really him and so forth and so on. But they they did have the ability to undo the procedure, but the character was still left with the memories and things that he had to eventually work through. You know. Right. And and another character had some you know violent tendencies that were supposed to be erased but you know there was some you know again some other things there but basically it was the punishment was measured out and then they found ways to kind of dial it back a little bit to not fundamentally alter a character they right. don't do that for O'Brien here he is forever changed or should be right. because right. he doesn't have the ability to like his 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 uh treatment is therapy you know not we're gonna you know magically hit hook something up to your head that's gonna scale it back or whatever but you have to go through trauma counseling and and so forth which begs the question in star trek or in starfleet i guess what would qualify as trauma because there's so many times we see characters go through absolutely devastating things only to have it fixed a little bit later so 
So it would seem like if you have to have a trauma counselor on your ship or on your station or whatever it is, you must be going through some particularly awful things <laughs> for them to have to be there. And they would be you know? used quite regularly at the at that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I think you are right, too, that we should have seen him talk to the counselor. I mean, Counselor Troy did some of that in TS, uh, yes. The Next Generation, TNG. Um, so there were some moments where she did that kind of stuff. But I also remember that a lot of times it was her that was having the problem. <laughs> that was, that's true. That's true. A lot of the times, yeah, a yeah. lot of the times the yeah. dramatic event was happening to Troy. So how yeah. do you... How do you counsel yourself? And then, exactly. you know, and by and large, her function was more uh, with diplomacy and negotiation and being a part of the cards team in that light than it right. was um, really doing a lot of a lot of therapy. We didn't really see her get into, you know, a lot of counseling stuff until later on in the show, like, you know, again, fourth season and beyond. And in particular, I, I feel like the, the fifth and sixth seasons, she really got a lot of work as a counselor, you right. know, um, we didn't really yeah, see that she really a whole does, lot in the earlier. That's exactly as, right. as a standalone really counselor, so. right? She does other things like she has moments where I guess you could consider that her counseling people throughout other things, but it was never like a full on. That was her purpose. You know, you couldn't tell was she being a counselor or a friend here or some right. kind of mediator in general, but yeah. So, um, but yeah, you're, and you're also right. Like a lot of times when it did become something that needed to be, severely impactful traumatic meaningful whatever it was to her or to her family because yeah. loxana yeah. oh definitely cool. brought in a whole bag of trauma all on her oh, own oh yes yeah. so <laughs> yep yep uh yeah so you i know, again, Troy. I, oh yeah and I, apparently we're gonna see her in two episodes like yes, we are. looking at the the episode list um so yeah i this episode was interesting and I, I think it has something to say. Again, I'm su I was surprised that they had him holding the gun to his own head in the episode. Like, I feel like that would be con very controversial for the time. I mean, I don't know how much mm -hmm. so today, per se. I imagine it still would be. But for the time, especially early 90s, mid-90s, you know, a character really Absolutely. thinking about committing suicide. Um, yeah. I just, you know, it's, it's so much. I, I have to admit, it's easy to go look at something and then say after the fact, here's how you could have done it better. And I, I always I always know that that's true. Um, and I feel it's a, it's relevant. I mean, yeah, here's how you could have done it better. Um, but I always feel like, you know, it's so much easier to say that. So I always, I always want to give writers the benefit of the doubt. They were doing what they could, and they came up with a story. And they had to shoot it. You know, that at some point you have to commit with your option. You can't, uh, you know, at some point you just got to go with your choice, uh, even if you might want to change it later. So I don't, I don't feel like this is a bad episode. I just would no. – I, I, I would have – I would have made changes if I could have, if I could retroactively do so, but yeah. Yeah, like I said, I, I think that the episode is still a good episode. I, I think that they, you know, worked very well, it's acted very well, it's written well. Right. Uh, yeah, there are some nitpicky things here and there, but it's just not one that I enjoy for yeah. that particular uh, It's not a fun it. episode. It's, it's not, not a fun but one. But that's, yeah. that's definitely also supposed to be the point. As we said, yes. this is the yeah. O'Brien must suffer episode. We got into They got into this habit of O'Brien being the character that must suffer <laughs> the most. And, and we, even and even Bashir brings it up when he's trying to yes. talk to Keiko and tell her, hey, you know, 
O'Brien, he's, he's changed, he's different, but if there's one thing we know about him, it's that he's resilient, he'll survive, he'll be fine. And he starts, yes. you know, rambling off all the incidences that we know of so far where um, O'Brien has suffered. Going all the way back to the TNG episode, uh, The Wounded, where, you know, that was with uh, Captain Maxwell who hijacks his ship and starts uh, staging attack runs on Cardassian vessels. Right. You know, and and yeah. Miles had served with uh, Captain Maxwell, and it was during right. the Setlick Three um, conflicts, which we also hear referenced in this episode. Yes, um, we see that they 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 reference the Tribunal episode where I'm about to say again, season two. He was, yep. Yes, he was convicted uh, with the Cardassians, and they were trying to sentence him. They were going to sentence him to death, as I remember correctly. Um, we also yeah. have the Whispers episode where he was. We didn't know if he was the real one or he was a clone. And, you know, they referenced that as well. And he kind of, we watched him backtrack his steps there to, uh, you know, oh, figure right. himself out. Oh, right. That was a out. weird episode. Uh, I think that was called um, Whispers. Whispers was the name of the episode. And I think that was first or second season as well. And then, of course, we have the Visionary episode where he's the man at a time. And he's jumping ahead six hours into the station's future. And he's got the massive doses of radiation, and he's slowly dying. But the station's going to die if they don't figure out what's causing it, and it's the Romulans. Right. You know, and yeah, so I mean, there's several times that O'Brien has been our, you know, punching bag. Yeah. Um, as it were. That episode, Whispers, I'd forgotten all about it. Just seeing the Wikipedia quick blurb, remember what it was now. But that makes me want to go rewatch that one because that one. That was a very interesting plot. That was um, a nice, yeah, intrigue yeah. episode. And again, it's always so interesting that O'Brien is put in these situations where he is thought of to be the the spy, the uh, the inside man, you know. Right. And it's kind of because he is supposed to be this representation of every man. You know, he's so relatable. He's so down to earth. He's the family man, as we found out in bar association he's the union man he's <laughs> yeah he's your your guy you know you, you saddle up at the end of the day you have a beer you shoot some <laughs> throw some darts you yeah. go home to your family you know like that's that, that he, he's our representation so he is our our access point right. to this very you know high-tech futuristic world so to have him be the one who is suffering so much there's that's the appeal that's the draw Right. So I, I definitely get it, but man, does he go through a lot. You know? Yeah. Just absolutely a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And uh, I'm, I'm curious because, you know, you I heard you say before as we started this episode off, you know, O'Brien must suffer. Um, I, I'll just ask you now because we're at the halfway point or recently, you know, got there. Does O'Brien suffer more in the first half or in the second half, would you say? <laughs> um... I'm going to say the first half, because yeah. the things that that happened to him later, barring a few instances, seem to be more tangential. And what I mean by that, it's like there's there's other people who have things directly happen to them. Right. But because they are friendly to or significant to O'Brien in some way, he suffers right. as a byproduct. They are the ones right. who actually have the thing inflicted upon them, but because they were his friend or his student or his mentee or whatever you want to call it, because of that, he suffers as well. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Um, and before we wrap this up, I don't know if we will soon or not, but I, I definitely 
But this episode really puts a, a cherry on top to the Bashir and uh, O'Brien relationship has come a long way. <laughs> it yes, really it has. has blossomed, and they have become good friends, and they care for each other. Bashir is knows that O'Brien is a stubborn type, but also, I mean, he he's he's proven himself to be the honorable doctor. He'll do whatever it, it requires to get his patient through whatever it is that needs to happen to get them healthy again. Uh, Garrick has already experienced that, I think, back in season two as well. Um, so we know that that's the kind of man Dr. Bashir is. But remembering him from season one, especially the episode with the, the smoke monster thing where he was giving O'Brien oh, a hard yes. time for being the prophet the type Syrah. the storyteller. Yeah. And going from that to this is quite the change for the for the two of them. Uh, we've already seen the changes uh, happen and occurring, but this one really is one where uh, it's very important that Bashir is O'Brien's friend. And he's the one who's there to talk him down from doing the worst thing he could possibly do to himself, which literally is Ob- killing himself. Oddly enough, I think that this episode really kind of helps to solidify their friendship. Now, now, and the reason yeah. I say that is because, I mean, we know that it's been building over the past, you know, couple of seasons. Right. But if you think about it, most of their things that have been kind of the building blocks of their friendship has still also kind of put them as, like, adversaries to a certain extent. You know, O'Brien still being very hesitant to fully embrace Bashir as a friend, despite the fact that Bashir has made it very clear, you're my friend. I don't. You can say whatever you want to. <laughs> we're, we're friends. Yeah. This is yeah. happening. Get right. over it. You know, but O'Brien's <laughs> just been like, eh, I, don't, I don't know. He's been very yeah. hesitant. Right. So this episode, you know, you kind of see that when he comes back to the station after, in his mind, 20 years have gone past. And he's looking at everything in a new light. And when he sees Bashir standing there, he's he's genuinely happy to see his friend. You yeah. know, like he's like, and it's like, it's that realization that I, you know, I have not seen this guy in 20 years. And I'm, you know, despite everything, I'm, I'm happy to see him. I'm glad right. that he's here. Right. And then, you know, O'Brien, you know, it's Bashir is the one who follows up and checks up with him. He comes to him when, you know, O'Brien goes back to work and stuff and he's checking on him. He's the one that, um, you know, when he storms off after that little interaction, he doesn't give up on him. He continues right. to try to contact him and call him and stuff. Keiko says when he walks to the door, uh, you know, Bashir has been trying to contact you for the last hour and a half. Where right. are you? Like, what's right. going on? Yeah. And then, you know, even with all of that, and he, you know, uh, when when Cisco relieves O'Brien of duty and he goes and uh, tears off his comm badge and then he goes to the goes to sickbay and he yells at uh, Bashir and then storms out. Bashir is still the one that tracks him down. And if you think about right. it, it's like he had to have known him very well to do that because right. O'Brien took his comm badge off in ops. Right. And he's been storming around the station ever since. Right. How would he have known where he was? You can't right. just do a random search for Miles O'Brien. It doesn't work that way. Right. We know that the technology is designed, basically the, the comm badge is your ID. It's your marker. Right. right. And he threw that in the in the lift. Right. So now no one can find him. But right. Bashir did. Right. And, and again, he's Bashir's the one who's able to talk him down. Not Keiko, not Cisco. Bashir's the one that's able to talk him down and get him right. to kind of come back and try things again. So I really right. think this episode does just kind of solidify the fact that um, they do have a strong friendship. They do have a strong bond. 
this is this is what's gonna work. Yeah, yeah, and it's great to see this. It's come a long way because yeah, for for a long time O'Brien couldn't stand Bashir for the life of him, and so uh, to see that that relationship has blossomed and it blossomed because Keiko was was absent for a while. It was Keiko's yeah. absence that required O'Brien to seek you know companionship elsewhere, and Bashir. Was the one and that she and she also didn't she also didn't fight it she didn't get in the way of them being friends yeah you know uh, in when fact, she comes like back just, yeah, yeah I was gonna say when she comes back to the Bashir's station Bashir's missing you yeah O'Brien O'Brien he misses you so much you, <laughs> I didn't want to say anything but go y'all should y'all should go hang out y'all should go yeah. do things like yeah. she very much encourages the friendship which I think is great you know you yeah. hear so many times of people and you know they get into relationships and your friendships drop away. You know, you, mm. your focus is now this, your significant other. So, right. you know, having friends would to a certain degree would interfere with that. And that could right. be a problem for a lot of people because I mean, what happens if the relationship doesn't work? Then right. what do you do? You now have no one to help you or support you as you move through this, for yeah. some people, difficult time after a breakup. So no, but she's, she's very encouraging. She's very, um, supportive of their relationship and she doesn't mind that Bashir is the one who's able to track down her husband and talk him down and bring him back to them, bring him back to his family. Yeah. Now, another thing that I did want to talk about um, uh, in the, for this episode was Cisco's response to O'Brien because, you know, uh, he has his blow up with Bashir, which right. then lands him in Cisco's office and Cisco's been pretty absent this whole episode. Yes. So now here he is, and his actions have now landed him into the hot seat with Captain Cisco. And this is also kind of a Cisco versus Picard thing here. Yeah. So they're having their heart to heart, and they're you know he's talking it out, and Cisco's listening to him, and you know he's laying it out for him. Hey, you haven't been to see Doctor Tomori. You blew up at Bashir. You're just kind of all over the place with with stuff. You clearly need help. And I want to see that you get the help. So you're relieved of duty. Now, instead of going three times a week, you got to go every day until he says you're all right. right. And and that's it, right. you know. And, you know, O'Brien kind of begs them. He's just like, you know, I I hear you. I understand this was a, a, a one-off. Yeah. Give Please, Captain. Right. Captain, I've never asked you for anything. Give me a chance. Let me, let me work this out. And Cisco says... No, <laughs> just no. I wish I could, but right. no. You need to. Go, you need help. Go, go see these people. Right. I really like that he stood by that, not because it was a, a rule thing or anything like that, but because it was the necessary thing for his his officer and dare I say his friend to get right. better. And I think that and the reason why I say this is a, a great Cisco versus Picard moment is because I feel like Picard would have given him the benefit of the doubt. To work it out, yeah. I feel like because Picard he, is the type to like I don't need counseling either. So right, yeah, and he feels like inspirational words and a and a close heart to heart are all people need sometimes, in order to you know right their ship as it were, and and right. that he's the man to do it. You don't need counseling; you just need yeah. a great go talk a to great Troy. Speech. Go talk to Troy a couple times, and I yeah. trust that'll be enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it'll, that will be that. That's a, that's what he would say. Please reconsider seeing Counselor Troy. Not, I'm demanding that you go see Counselor Troy. I'm ordering you to go see Counselor Troy. It's 
reconsider seeing Counselor Troy. But yes, I will give you a second chance. But he would give them the ultimatum of, if you don't handle it, then I will remove you from the ship. I'm not just going to yeah. relieve you of duty. I'm yeah. going to remove you from the ship. That would you be def- how Picard would work it. You definitely get the feeling that Picard would be like, ah. But as soon as you screw up, Picard would, would turn on you a little bit more. He would be like, oh, you can't handle the stress? Yeah. Right. You can't, you can't handle do it? Your, you can't do your duty because of yeah. stress? You're yeah. out. You're not yeah. on the Federation flagship anymore. You're out. Exactly. And it would have been a, yeah. Give, His, that, and that would be the speech. Give me one more chance. Let me prove myself. And then it would be, we would be watching an episode from the perspective of, here is a person who realizes, oh my God, I've just hit rock bottom. Uh, Space Pope over here is now totally upset with me. Uh, I need to, I need to redeem myself in his eyes. And now I'm going to do everything I can to redeem myself. I'm going to go on the epic Enterprise apology tour. And I'm going to (laughs) say sorry to everybody. I'm going to go see Counselor Troy and cry on her couch because I know that will not only make her feel better, but it will make you know Picard at least seemingly trust me. And then as our as our clutch game changing moment, I will put aside all of my issues and I will perform my job not just well, but extraordinarily well to the degree that right. only I could have done it. And right. that will redeem my value in in uh, <laughs> Enterprise Jesus's mind, and I'll, I'll be okay. Because that's how they treat Picard. There's such a yeah. there's such a reverence for the man. Yeah, that it borders on deification. That's why I make oh, those. That's why true. I make those those statements. It's just yeah. don't don't disappoint don't disappoint Picard. Oh my gosh, yeah. don't do that. Right. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I love Picard. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes the hero worship gets a bit thick. Yeah, in next generation. I, I yeah yeah, you're right. Picard would have had a not as interested in solving it. You can handle it, but as soon as it becomes an issue for me as captain. <laughs> yes. I, so that and that's what it, that's what it becomes. It's like I have to be able to do my duty because if I in yeah. any way upset the card, he's gonna get rid of me. He's not even gonna give yeah. me the opportunity to like do more counts or whatever. He's kicking me off the ship. Yeah. I've got to get this fixed. Yeah. So, the episode yeah. would have also been if it wasn't about the whole memory thing of O'Brien having fake memories. It would have been about them having a a crew member that's been trapped by an alien race and they have to negotiate his release. Otherwise, a terrible fate will befall their coworker, their crewmate. That's how the episode would have gone because they would have also would have been there as opposed to we have to send a ship back to the station and then send someone back to get, o- get O'Brien. Um, yeah. Um, there's one other thing, I, 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 just a little small little thing that this episode reminds me of, which you and I have talked about before. But, of yeah. course, the Count of Monte Cristo, the whole uh, being thrown, yes. thrown into you know a prison to rot away and meeting a, an older kinder um you know a prisoner and something you know a relationship developing uh it's too bad they didn't have a prison break scene but that other than that mm-hmm. just remind me of that simple uh similarity in plot so i uh by the way part of the reason i'm bringing that up is because after i read napoleon the biography of napoleon i want to read the count of monte cristo again oh. having having planned to read it again all for a long cool. time because yeah. the kind of Monte Cristo happens amidst the whole Napoleon. The Napoleon is yeah. a, is a is a small bit character, and his his in, decisions help inform the plot of the kind of Monte Cristo. So uh, it's that, a great book. 
It's a, I know. It's a great book. I actually I can't wait to read it again. <laughs> yeah, I read it. I because you yeah I told you about it. I was reading it during the pandemic, as a matter of fact. And um, what are, you know, I know everybody was like grasping for things to do during COVID shutdown. I couldn't have found a better project than to go through uh, Count of Monte Cristo and just kind of yeah. ease my way through it. I wasn't reading it for class or anything like that. I was reading because I, I wanted to read it. And it's yep. such a great, great story. And um, man, yeah, if there's a book. If you have not read The Count of Monte Cristo, please go go read it. It's yeah. great. I, I look forward to rereading it. Because again, I've read the abridged version back in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but I still remember it. And uh, I wish the movie had had, you know, the movie that had with Jim Caviezel in it was, was okay. But they, it, in order to get it down to, you know, two hours, they had to cut out so much. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see them do uh, uh, do that movie again, but do a full, you know, make let's it a try miniseries. to make it a, yeah, make there it a you go. That's a great yeah. idea. Uh, but Where's I want it to be like a shot for shot. Yeah, yeah. I want it to be a shot-for-shot shot one, though. Like, you know, each episode is a chapter in the book or something right. like that. I yeah. don't know if that would actually work, because there are some parts of it that are a little a little slow. And then, right. you know, if you're trying to do it again chapter-for-chapter, chapter, there may be parts of it that are just too fast. There's right. not enough material to make a full hour-long show, whatever. But just right. as close to accurate as possible, right. I would love to see that for, for that story. Um yeah, that would be that would be great. Yeah. Um, but all right, any final thoughts on hard time and PTSD in general? Yeah, uh, guys, suicide's never the answer. Your problems are never so bad that that's the issue. To, that's the solution. You know, talk to someone, get counseling. Uh, I think that's I think that's universally yeah. agreed. I, I mean, there's a lot of people who we have a lot of different stances on uh, a bunch of things, but I will say that I think across the board, everybody agrees that suicide is tragic and that there's always another option. Please, right. you know, search for those options before you even remotely consider that. Talk yeah. to someone. Reconciliation is yeah. hard sometimes, but it's it's better than the alternative. So yeah, um, yeah. If anything else, that's the Great reason for this episode to exist. Um, yeah, yeah, you never really know who's it. you yeah. never really know who's in your corner. You never really know who could actually help you out. So yeah, just never feel yeah. that you can't ask. Always ask. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I uh, I think that's a good point to end this particular talk on. Um, I did want to go over a couple of things really just quickly here. Um, uh. All this Trek is obviously on Paramount+. Plus. We don't need to really go into all that. If you're not watching Strange New Worlds, you are really missing out on some truly just vastly different Trek. I heard like this last one with, 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 did something crazy. I don't oh, know if I should it say anything. Did it did it. It, it did. It was, it was <laughs> crazy. It was the, it was the it musical went, episode. I was going to say, it was, a, a I heard Trek it was a musical. musical. <laughs> and I, I have, it's a good I've thing read, or a bad thing. You know what? That's what everybody says because I've read all the reviews. For every review that was, this was a raving success. There are so many that are like, I cannot believe they're doing this. This is not my trek. It's terrible. It's awful. It's whatever. Now, as a person who I I can I will say I can say I have seen every single episode of every trek in existence at least twice. Every episode. Okay, I can say that. There are some I've seen a good deal more than just twice. But right. every iteration of Trek, 
movies, whatever it is. I've seen them all at least twice. There's not one that I have missed. With that being said, the stuff that they're doing in, in Strange New Worlds is is completely different. It's new. It's it's wonderful. It's it's new stuff. Right. If you want something for the sake of it being new, then this is it. They are trying things. They are trying to be different. And they're working so hard to not just say, we did it just to be different, but that it's different and it works. They're giving you good storylines. They're giving you good reasons behind right. why they're doing this different thing. So to I, that, I, guess, I will say. I don't, oh, I, yeah. I, just, I was just say, I don't know if you have to answer this for me or not, but I guess my assumption is that the reason there's a musical is because someone – Something happens where they get like reality is warped into a yes. musical reality. Yeah, that's, that is that's essentially how I it. it. That yeah. is essentially it. The premise of the episode is that they discover this weird ribbon in subspace that if they can figure out how it works, it will rapidly it will it will change the way that they can send subspace messages. Because in Trek so far, when you send a message via subspace, depending on the distance, it could take weeks before they get a response back. But because of this this ribbon that they found. It could allow for near instantaneous transmission and reception of messages. So right. now, instead of waiting weeks, you can get your message in real time. So they're doing an experiment to try to figure out how it works. The experiment, of course, in truest Star Trek fashion, goes wrong. It right. alters their reality because they're dealing with subspace, of course. And it alters their reality and makes them sing. Um... The number of Star Trek episodes that are filled with stupid or seemingly stupid or innocuous things like that, where it's it it doesn't make sense that it would affect them in that particular way, but it did, and we just have to accept it because that's the episode. It's everywhere, and it's been going on since the '60s. Right. But this episode was a lot of fun. I found it to be very engaging. <laughs> I thought that I thought it was hilarious. I yeah. I thought that um, uh, the singing was oddly good like there are people yeah. who you could tell that they were actually were some that were, well there are there now there are a couple people on the car on the cast who are legitimately trained singers there are some people on the other on the cast though who i feel like are not trained singers and probably had some crash courses in vocal <laughs> lessons for the episode um they they still pull it off because it, it adds an air of authenticity in, in my opinion because they're normally not singing. So why would they be good at singing? You know? Um, so yeah, I, but Are I the characters self-aware that this is not normal. I'm just curious. Like, oh, a hundred percent. That's actually a whole, a whole musical number. They do is called, why are we singing? <laughs> so it's, it's great. It's okay. great. All right. All right. All right. So yeah. Uh, and it's like, and it starts up and it's like, Oh my, like, yeah. Why, why are we singing? Why, why am I rhyming? What's happening? What's making me do this? Like, there's there's whole beats in there that is that's just that. So, and then of course you get singing Klingons. Let me say that again. I heard about that too. You yeah. get singing Klingons. Is it opera? So, it is not opera. It turns oh. into some like it's like some weird kind of like K-pop dubstep thing. It's it's it was trippy in its own right. But um, but yeah, I. Just go and watch it. Stop being so critical of things, people. Just sit back <laughs> and enjoy it and laugh. That's what I did. I found it incredibly hilarious when certain characters just, like, burst out into song for no reason, you know, and you could kind of see the strain in them while they were doing it. So, yeah, I right. just just enjoy it, and, and right. it's fine. 
Um, every episode they've done so far in Strange New Worlds has been, it's there's been a certain thing that it was about. They've done a horror episode, which had some great jump scares. So there, that was great. They've done the communication one. They've done their comedy ones. This was the musical one, so forth. They're just trying new things and, and injecting new life into some old characters. You right. know, some of these characters, their names anyway have been around since the 60s. So we're having, we're getting to see them, you know, as fresh new forms here. So just enjoy it. Um, but yeah, that's all I want to say about that. Um, for those of us who are, who again, like me, have seen every bit of Star Trek multiple times, you know it, beat and measure, so forth and so on, and you're looking for something else to watch, what I wanted to talk about were a couple of shows that I found I found out about recently that are kind of like Star Trek. Now, I don't know how any of you feel about um, anime, but that's where these shows come from. Obviously, we've talked enough about The Expanse and Battlestar Galactica and uh, things like that, Farscape, so forth and so on. So those are obviously great options. But if, again, like me, you've seen all those too, you may be searching for something new to watch. And um, one show that I just recently started is called Astra. It's an anime that's about a crew of individuals who uh, just by happenstance get um, on board a ship that launches them into deep space. And they have got to figure out how to, one, control the ship, and two, work their way back from deep space to home. So watching them as they're trying to put together the pieces to figure that out to do those things has been very interesting. It is kind of Trek-like with, we, you know, no one knows anything about each other, but then they start to figure out what their strengths are and get designations. Like this one, the obvious leader is going to be the captain. Here's your engineer. Here's your doctor. Here's your, you know, so forth and so on. So I've been enjoying watching that. Um, there was another show that I started watching that is uh, another anime, but it's like a hardcore drama one. And that one takes a bit more to get into. And it's called um, Legend of the Galactic Heroes. So it's it's very much like Star Trek. It's got the space opera feel to it a lot. But right. um, it's, it's uh, really hard hitting. Um, very kind of drama heavy. So... Uh, the other one, the Astro Show, is a bit lighter, a bit more comical, whatever, but this is kind of darker than that. So those are just two things that if you're interested and you're looking for more sci-fi and you know you don't have a problem with um, anime, I would suggest checking those out. Just to add something to kind of break it up for you into things that you watch. If you just wanted to stick with watching Trek all the time, 100%, hey, more power to you. I'm not going to stop you. But I just thought I would throw out a couple options that just happened to have floated my way in the past week. And I've been checking them out and enjoying them so far. Gotcha. All right. Well, guys, with that, I think that's going to be it for us. As we say every single week, you can find us and follow us on all the various social medias, except, of course, for Twitter, X, X Twitter, whatever the hell. Um, you can also Twix. watch us on YouTube. Yeah, you can watch us on YouTube. Um, <laughs> ask us any questions, comments, concerns that you have there. And, of course, you can listen to us anywhere you happen to listen to this podcast. I do it on Spotify. Now, until next week, take care of yourselves. Thanks, guys.